You're listening to teaching from Castle Hills Christian Church in San Antonio, Texas. More information about Castle Hills Christian Church is available at chccsa.com. These days, everyone and everything is vying for our attention. It is so easy to underestimate the amount of influence others have over us. They impact our decision-making, our spending habits, our priorities, and our point of view. We are influenced more than we know. I am a film junkie. Here's what I mean by that. In 2019, the year before the pandemic, I watched 64 movies in the theater, 64 in the theater. Now I know what some of you are thinking, wow, that is a colossal waste of time and money. But here's what you need to know. First, the theater I go to had a season pass, which meant that I was able to pay a flat monthly fee and go see as many movies as I wanted to. Secondly, this was kind of my social group. This was the people that I hung out with and and did life with and connected with, was the people that I went to go see the movies with. So think of it like this. If you were a golfer, you might have a standing tee time at a local green, and and that may be the people you play with every week and have a good time connecting with those people and spending time with them. Or if you're a bowler, you may be part of a bowling league where you every week have your lane and you go and you bowl with your buddies. Well, for me, movie going is that. It's the place where I go to connect with people around something I enjoy, a common interest that we have. And I would go see movies all the time with this close group of friends. We didn't just go see movies together. We would talk about movies. We would go to movie trivia nights at the theater and other places. We would create lists of movies for each other that you should watch, things that maybe you missed out on that I really think you should go see. We were pretty passionate about movies. In addition to this, I like to listen to film podcasts, podcasts where they talk about film news, who's connected to upcoming projects, and what movies got the green light to move forward, and what studios are producing what things. And sometimes these podcasts will have interviews with directors, and I can listen to them talk about the inspiration that went into the movies. One of the podcasts that I listen to, one of the film podcasts that I listen to, has an ongoing debate about the idea of cultural relevance. It's this idea that a movie should have some sort of an impact on the culture if it's going to be considered an important movie. At the center of this debate, they always bring up the topic of James Cameron's movie Avatar. It's the largest grossing movie of all time. It brought in $2.8 billion in the domestic box office. That's a lot of money. But the question they raise is, does making a lot of money, selling a lot of tickets, having a lot of people see a movie, equate cultural relevance. In other words, what's the actual footprint, the impression, the influence that a movie has on people's lives, on the culture at large? After the movie is out of the theaters and moved on, does it have a lasting impact on the world around it? And so they debate specifically about Avatar, whether or not this movie has much of a cultural impact, much cultural relevance. And it's easy to see that just because a lot of people saw a movie doesn't necessarily mean that it had a lasting impact 
on the culture. And for some of us, we try to dismiss movies and, as entertainment alone. We say things like, well, this is just a, a big fun way for me to spend a little bit of time with my family and friends, or I just want to check out for a little while, disconnect, and turn my brain off and laugh, or see a spectacle, or go watch something fun, or I want to be entertained by these amazing actors or this great film score. And so we go and enjoy a movie hoping to turn off our brains and just be entertained. The problem is that media doesn't work that way. And it doesn't matter if you're talking about film or TV, something we see on a streaming platform, the news, magazines, books that we read. All of the media that we consume has an impact on us, whether we know it or not. So while we may think, hey, I'm going to go just be entertained for a while, the reality is the media we consume shape us, they impact us. In fact, a good story has the ability to move us emotionally and invite us to participate in the story. We begin to see ourselves in the lives of its characters and relate to its stories. We pick up on its themes. We reference these movies, these TV shows, these books, all this media we consume in our daily life. It sprinkles into our conversations with our family, our friends, our coworkers, our kids. And these movies, these books, these TV shows really begin to shape how we think about the world, how we view things, how we interact with people, what we care about, how we spend our money and our time and our energy, the media we consume influences us more than we know. And it's a side note, this is how the Bible functions as well. I think it's interesting that so much of the Bible is actually narrative story. The vast majority of it is a story, stories of people of faith and people without faith, how they've interacted with God and the world around them, and it invites us to be emotionally moved by its content to connect with the storylines of the people, and ultimately to participate in the furthering of its story. Because like all other media, all other things that you might consume, the Bible is a beautiful story that invites us to participate in it in the same way. So when we think about movies, we think about TV and books, when we think about media that's meant to be consumed, how should we handle that as people of faith? Should we avoid it? because we're worried about the impact, the influence it's going to have on us, or should we do something else? Well, I believe that we should, instead of avoiding these things, we should just become more aware of the ways that they are influencing us. Gaining wisdom is a major concern of the Bible. Listen to what Proverbs chapter 4, verses 5-9 through 9 say about wisdom. It says, get wisdom, get insight. Do not forget and do not turn away from the words of my mouth. Do not forsake her, talking about wisdom, and she will keep you. Love her, and she will guard you. The beginning of wisdom is this. Get wisdom, and whatever you get, get insight. Prize her highly, talking about wisdom again, and she will exalt you. She will honor you if you embrace her. She will place on your head a graceful garland. She will bestow on you a beautiful crown. See, we're supposed to pursue wisdom. We're supposed to chase after it and get insight in any way that we can. And what that means for us as people of faith is that we need to become wise in the ways that we consume media. The way we watch movies, TV, read books, 
We need to be wise in the way we approach these things. The Apostle Paul wrote to the church in Philippi in a book that we call Philippians. In chapter 1, verses 8 through 11, this is what he says. He says, For God is my witness, how I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment, so that you may approve what is excellent, and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Paul uses a word here that sometimes you might have heard, but we don't really think about what it means very often. The word is discernment. So what does it mean to discern something, to be discerning, to practice discernment? Well, luckily for us, he goes on to kind of define the term a little bit for us. He says that discernment involves approving what is excellent. What this means here is that we're supposed to test, to examine, to even scrutinize something. This is a word that would sometimes be used to talk about metals. Let's say you wanted to buy a piece of jewelry and you're trying to determine if something is actually the the material that it claims to be. Well, you would scrutinize it. You would look over it. You would test its content. You would approve the metal to see if it's actually genuine. There's probably nothing more embarrassing than buying a piece of jewelry that you think is real, only to have the person you give it to or when you wear it to have their skin turn green as a result of it. We want to know that something is real because that's where it gets its value from. And we're supposed to be able to approve what is excellent as people of Christ. So how do we do this? Well, we ask good questions. When we go to watch a movie, a TV show, to read a book, we should ask questions like, who made this? The authors, the writers, the directors, the film studios, the production team. Who made this? What other things have they made? How does this fit into the larger story that they are trying to tell about the world? Who benefits from the message of this piece of media? What agenda does it have? What products do they want us to consume after we've watched or or read or consumed this piece of media? What ideas do they want me to embrace about the world, about life, about God, about faith, about uh, how I should live in the world? Uh, Maybe a question you could ask yourself is, what life lessons do the characters in this story learn? Kids, I have a project for you. I want you to to turn on your favorite TV show this week and watch one episode. Maybe it's your favorite episode, maybe it's a new episode, but watch one episode, and I want you to try to identify what life lesson the main character learned during this episode. Because most stories are built around a character growing and learning something. So kids, what I want you to do is I want you to watch a show this week, and then I want you to go have a conversation with your parents about the life lesson that the character, the main character of the story, learned. And I want you to ask your parents this. Is that a lesson that you want me to live out? See, when we begin to view our media, the TV we watch, the movies we watch, the things we stream, the things we read, the books we consume, through the lens of what is this trying to teach me about the world, we stop being passive participants. We stop turning our brains off and just trying to be entertained for a little while, we can actually grow. And when we practice discernment, we begin to approve what is excellent. We, we can really start to, to live out the wisdom that God calls us to. And it starts from a very early age 
not turning our brains off, but actually being active participants when we consume media. And when we say approve what is excellent, we're not talking about the quality of production, how good it looks on the screen, how great the soundtrack is, if the acting was on point or not. We're actually talking about the excellence in the quality of its content, of its moral character, of the life lessons. See, we're not called as people of faith to be part of the Oscar committee or the Pulitzer committee. Instead, we're supposed to be more wise in the way we consume media to understand what it's trying to teach us about the world and decide if that's something we want to embrace or not. See, there's some results from when we begin to practice discernment. In Philippians chapter 1, it says that one of the results of discernment, of practicing discernment, is that we will be pure and blameless. Later on in the same letter to the Philippian church, Paul writes this in chapter 4, verse 8. Finally, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. See, when we are people who practice discernment, when we take the time to ask ourselves, is this genuine? Is this true? Is this excellent? When we ask good questions of the media we consume, when we do this, it'll help us find the truth and the beauty and the goodness wherever it may be. Because sometimes there's these nuggets of truth, these pieces of beauty and goodness and love buried in a story that otherwise we might dismiss. And when we can learn to practice discernment, we can find those good things and we can focus on them. We can think about them. We can reflect on them. But there's a second result of discernment. It also says in Philippians chapter 1 that we will be filled with the fruit of righteousness. In other words, our lives should produce something. It should produce fruit of good doing, of righteousness. I like the way the book of James puts this in James chapter 3, verses 13 through 18. It says, Who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. So don't make the mistake of thinking that wisdom is about being arrogant or proud. Instead, it's about being meek. Let him show it by the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not wisdom that comes from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder in every vile practice. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. See, when we practice discernment, it doesn't just help us identify truth and beauty and goodness. It helps us put those into practice in our lives, to live those out. When we develop discernment in our lives and the way we consume things, we take an active role in producing truth and goodness in our own lives. See, consuming media should not be a time for us to turn off our brains and mentally check out. We all need downtime, and that's fine. But we need to be careful. We need to be wise about how we approach the media we consume. We need to ask good questions. We need to scrutinize. We need to approve what is excellent. Every time we turn on a TV or pick up a book or watch the news or stream a show. And I want to be really clear here. That also includes when we consume media that comes from Christian sources. 
See, people who claim to be people of faith or who are people of faith are still broken people. We can be wrong about things. And it's easy for us to say, well, this comes from a good place, so it must be good. But that's just not true. We need to be people who are able to discern, to tell if something's good or not, reasonable or not, true or not, beautiful or not, good or not. We need to be able to people who identify those things and put them in practice in our lives. My prayer is that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment so that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ, the glory and praise of God. Let's pray. God, we thank you for the example of wisdom that you've given us. And we pray that as we consume media, we watch TV and movies and read books and, and consume the news, that we will do so in ways that are built on wisdom and lead us to live lives modeled after you. Thank you for your example, and thank you for your grace when we fall short. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.